when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, maybe he walked around with jelly beans. That's what it is. Maybe he walked around with jelly I think beans so. I think he, and he was at the crime scene and stuff and be like, nah, see, nah, I got these jelly beans, see, nah. We're just two dudes that came up with an idea and we said we should know more about the everyday world around us, like why are beer bottles the shape they are. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. Get ready to take notes, boys and girls. It's another edition of the Not Historians Podcast, with your hosts, Desmond Dunn and Shalom Agulana. Watch out, get back. Well, that's just copyright. We can't do that. We can't do that one? No, I'm just being like, what, man? Come on, that's awesome. If somebody's listening to our show and has the ability to tell us to stop doing that, please, please do. Yeah. Shout out to Samurai Jack. Is there not another new season coming? Another new season? No, this is another iteration of the Not Historians Samurai Edition. We're back in the booth live to talk to you about Toyotomi Hideyoshi. That's right. Season 2 is officially kicking off. Pew, pew, pew. Because this is uh, year two for us. It is. This is the first show we've actually recorded in year two. Once the yeah, date, we're true. like one day past. Yeah, it's very true. So this is our first anniversary show. We didn't ask for any input or anything. We're not celebrating. We have seasons one, two, and three. You guys should know when they're coming. I mean, that's true. <laughs> when season two, we'll say season two is here. It's a year. Wait, season wait, three pause, has pause, pause for a second. You're eating some chocolate called New Baby Gourmet Chocolate. Is it say it's baby? Hand of, yeah, it says New Baby. My wife bought it. I don't know. Oh, you you like to taste it? It's made with 100% pure baby. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Thanks, man. Got it. So, a new segment we're going to have this season is we're going to ask some questions because we have Shalom here. Should have done this last season, but we weren't smart enough. Uh, we're we're going to ask questions regarding our main subject matter of samurai. Okay. So, uh, we, we had some last episode that we recorded. Just asking questions. We're going to have some the next few episodes. I'm going to do two or three throughout the show. So I, I wanted to start with one right now. All right. Samurai can't or don't retreat. So that's a myth. Okay. That's, that's definitely a myth. You know, I can expand on that a little bit. It's a myth because, you know, being a tactician and, and strategist, as many samurai general, generals were, you were dominant at the time. You had you had to make decisions. If you were in over your head and you made a calculated mistake, don't just send your men in there to just just die for no reason. Come back, fight another day, re-strategize them. Or I'm exiting that one off the list because some little man answered it. Yeah. All right. He, he often does try. Well, I think deep down we all knew, but sometimes I go to the Twitter or the Facebook, Instagram, even just to read to see if anyone's posted anything. Oh yeah, on Instagram because we don't. <laughs> Um, and then I ask on like uh, all the review sites on the Patreon, anywhere you want, you know that we are. I go and ask these questions, but I also sometimes just go into Google and type samurai myths and read like some of the things. Or did samurai do samurai? Can samurai? And I I read some of these. Yeah. And I thought it would be interesting to bring them in as little bits of knowledge. Because I, mean, I, I mean, mean, the idea that there are people out there that actually think samurai couldn't retreat. No, I think. You should have known that guy who asked the question. All right. I'm just saying, it, to the gentleman or lady that typed that one out, something should have clicked in your brain at some point in real life. Yes, they, they can definitely uh, retreat. Hmm. Unless they're blocked off and unable to retreat. There's a difference. Yeah. That's a difference. In fact, Samurai, I mentioned this. I'm going to mention it all the time because it's so fascinating. Samurai, I don't know what the na- proper name for this is. They actually wear this silk like bonnet on the back of their armor that fills with wind when you're riding in it, kind of balloons up like a bag, like an airbag. And the purpose of that was to stop arrows. That is correct. 
And it actually does because it forms an air cushion. And the silk is really strong because silk. silk. So when you shoot an arrow, it hits it, it hits that cushion air and uh, either gets stuck in that or doesn't penetrate your arm. So it's always a plus. Yeah, when you're in battle and retreating, not getting shot in the back is one of those fundamental key concepts. It's just staying alive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just it's a key concept. Don't get shot in the back. Yeah, right. Yeah. You should definitely not get shot in the back if you're attacking. How does that work? They, they, they say it's friendly fire, yeah. but uh, mm. uh, it's not that friendly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it reminds me, I don't know if you listen to comedy, sidetrack one here already. David Cross has the thing where he has the friendly fire. He has a whole skit about it. It's the friendly fire and the, the bullet's like, here I come to enter your spleen. <laughs> like, just goes in. It's like, yeah, there's a little animated mascot that goes to friendly fire. I don't know who came up with that. That's pretty I funny. guess it's one of those, I'm going to guess it's a military buzzword that makes it sound better yeah. than accidentally shot by his own people. They're like, ooh, because their way to make that friendlier? Hmm. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Anyway, guys. We are here. Indeed. And we are kicking it off with a samurai that I actually don't know. Really? Well, I don't know many samurai. I've never met any of them, but well, I mean, I actually didn't I didn't do the research on this one because we got a wire across to you. We're going to get two shows back to back where uh, Shalom's going to use his innate knowledge, and I'm going to use my funny bone, which is connected to... My microphone. That rhymes. Yeah. Oh, that was really terrible. I know. I was, I was watching this. I was movie. like, what bone can it be? I was, I was looking at my elbows, my knees, my ankles. It's mm. not connected. It doesn't work that way. That's pretty damn bad. Legend. Yeah. All right. So, as we kind of opened up earlier, we're talking today about Toyotomi Hideyoshi, or as I prefer to call him, Hideyoshi uh, Hashima, or Hideyoshi Toyotomi. I, I like to go with the first name, with the first name first, kind of like we do in, in North America. But uh, I will interchange these as we proceed. So if you have any questions, or it's not spoonerisms or anything like that. It's just me changing it up. When uh, keeping things fresh. When is this guy from? Can I ask you that? When what time he, period does he? Yeah, you can exist? absolutely ask me that. He was born in 1537. See, this is he's one of he's known as one of the great unifiers of Japan. He was around in the Warring States period. That's what I was going to point out. This is way before. Well, not way before, but this is significantly before. The time period we're actually going to get into for the season, for the most part. The season's not really tied to a time period. No. I mean, it is. But that's, it's not, we're not focusing, we're focusing on people. And they happen to exist mostly in this time period. And that's based on pop culture. You can thank people like Kurosawa for making that possible because that's when they decided to set their movies. So we decided we would uh, focus on those guys because they're the ones that are familiar to us. Right. And this guy is going to be, I guess, at the front end of that. He's the locomotive he in this train. You know, and you can't talk about Japan as a, as, a, as a society as it is today without talking about the unification masters of Japan. And Hideyoshi is one of the unification masters. Hideyoshi was born March 17, 1537 to a peasant soldier, but his ambition would take him far beyond this class. Um, was peasant soldier an actual class? Like, and that's a good or is it just peasant? Well, so peasant soldier. His, his, so the interesting thing, and this is something we're going to mention, I have noted for fast facts, Hideyoshi's dad was a soldier and peasant farmer, or a soldier and a peasant who worked in worked for Nobunaga. Okay. Or worked for the Oda clan before Nobunaga came aboard. But, again, like I was saying about Hideyoshi, his, his ambition was taken far beyond his class. Okay. His birth name was Kinoshita Tochikiro. That's a cooler name, in my opinion. Like, I would have stuck with that. Tokichiro, Tokichiro Kinoshita. From the Americans. Or right. is that, how did you write this? I don't know which way you wrote it. I wrote it as Kinoshita Tokichiro. Right, but is that is that westernized or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely would have gone with that name. His name was Kinoshita Tokichiro. And under this name, he spent several years serving several different daimyo before settling with Nobunaga himself. Hideyoshi, to avoid becoming when a monk, you, You're talking about Oda? Yeah, no, no, Oda Nobunaga. The yeah. only Nobunaga who matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Oda, is something to point out. Oda is a clan name. Oda uh, is, and we'll, it's, it makes things a little bit complicated for us because we know sometimes when we're talking about which clans are which. Uh, but the, in, most for the most part, I'm going to say that the samurai, we, we deal with just the samurai. 
are not going to be a confusing matter in that because most of them aren't the clan name. Right. But when we start talking about people like Oda Nobunaga, who become shoguns, who become superpower daimyos, uh, they're going to be a little bit confusing because the clan name and their name are going to match. So an interesting thing I'm going to tell you now about, about Nobunaga, since you mentioned it, and I don't want to wait for corrections, Oda Nobunaga actually never took the... Oh, no, I'm not saying that he... I wasn't saying he did. I was just saying when we get to people like the shoguns and the powerful daimyos and the, the head generals, some of them will indeed share clan names with personal names. Sure. So their surnames, as we would understand them, will be their clan names. But that, in Japanese society, just really meant that they were the baddest of the bad in that area. Because most of them... Well, I won't say most of them because I can't remember everyone, but a fair amount are probably uh, adopted into the clan because, or not into the clan, but into the clan name family. Mm-hmm. I'm glad so, you specified that. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to be clear on that. Like, uh, some are going to be born, obviously, when you when you get to things like the Shoguns, mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, when we get to, like, all the Tokugawas. Tokugawas are definitely born Tokugawas. Correct. Uh, uh, right. But... When we get to things like Oda and, uh, I'm trying to think here. Anyway, point was, the names will be a little bit of a, a hassle. Cause yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 it. we'll try to explain the best we can. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, so the interesting thing about Hideyoshi is he, you know, at a young age, you, you get, and this is something that we don't do now, we don't have now, because we don't, I, I don't know, when you're 20, you're not thinking like this, but... He was he was a frail kind of man, wasn't an impressive looking kid really, and so he was sent to go study at one of the monk the temples to become educated and become more um, eventually a monk. So he's going to become like the opposite of a samurai, right? And he decided, nah, fuck that noise. So he fled from home at an early age and started serving the Imagawa clan. I don't want to be peaceful. I just want to slice people. <laughs> <laughs> do samurai things with my samurai friend. All right, sorry. Right. <laughs> like, uh, that's kind of it. That's what he was, he, got, he had on that tip. Like, I mean, he did. He had a thirst for adventure. And, and blood. <laughs> like, I, is that, <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. So, I mean, it was kind of, at the time, there were, there were a couple options. Either you become a soldier, a farmer, or a monk. And I guess that's the Japanese equivalent to, you either have a wicked jump shot, you sell rocks. Oh, it, it really is though, isn't it? Like that I was making the hood rat reference, and I'm like, it's really how that's really how it feels. Like he yeah. grew up in the Japanese samurai hood, where he's like, only thing you can do here is farm. So sell the guy, get that get that grain top, get that grain top <laughs> over here, try to mm-hmm. try to sell some rice. Get that loud, <laughs> and this one loud because it cooks real loud. <laughs> so, uh, maybe not, you know, what? maybe not. <laughs> get that long grain. <laughs> just over there selling it and trying to sell it. It's like, well, you can do that, or uh, you're any good at stabbing people? I don't know. Well, you're going to find out because either you are or you aren't. And if you aren't, you're going to find out real quick. <laughs> Which true. is kind of how it goes now. It's like, well, I don't want to be a monk. Because back then, you couldn't just like, um, nowadays, they tell kids to just enlist in the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't really just enlist in the army. Nope. The army kind of enlisted you. Yeah, not, not really a draft as much as it was just a requirement of life. Yeah, and that's true. We're going to war. Do you want to die? No. Then you better grab, right, grab the sword. sword. <laughs> so his service for the Imagawa clan began in 1551 and ended in 1558 when he left to join the Nobunaga clan, the older Nobunaga clan. Can you just do that? Can I you, mean, so can you just switch sides like that? Well, I mean, the man just straight up said, I'm out this bitch. That's how he did it. Well, I'm just wondering, was like, was that was that dishonorable? No. Did they have like they're like this is going in your permanent record? I mean, no. And in, in fact, I don't think anybody ever called him out on that. I think it's just in his written history that he this is. What well, I mean, well, I mean, is, was it just like that was a normal job? Like, well, guys, today's my last day. We're gonna go work at Bear Stearns right now, and then you know, next day you were just there. You're like, let's crush them. Well, so I mean, the short answer is, it happened all more often than we thought, or than you would think. Uh, part of the reason is because he was a low-level samurai then. He had no that, that's what I was to say, because we talked about in Bushido, you know, like, had all this loyalty, honesty, mm-hmm. um, and then here he is, like, jump ship. Yeah. Okay, so he could just do that. Well, so we did talk about the fact that his, his dad worked for the, for the older clan, so really, in a way, he was just returning home. Right, but, I mean, the thing, we talked about it last time, too, that you could be like, oh, my, 
you know, like you, your sister's married to the opposite clan, dude, and y'all end up at war. You got to be like, hey, I understand why you're doing what you're doing, but uh, if I kill you tomorrow, he's like, right. And if you don't, I'll give you twenty bucks back on Tuesday. You do that sort of thing if you're allowed to do that. So this would be kosher then. Cool. You could just hop in and be like, uh, so I'm gonna go there now. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I feel like that's exactly what happens. He escaped during the night, left. Oh, so he done. still had to, he had to cut. Yeah, he decided, he, he did have to cut and run. I mean, well, yeah, you're not going to be like, "Hey, peace out." I'm going to go over here next week. I'm going back over to. The no, that's what I was asking. That's and, what well, I was asking. and especially because you know, in a dramatic twist of, of fate, mm-hmm. Yoshi was present in in 1560 at the Battle of Okazama, which was a battle between the Oda and the Imagawa clans. Bet you can't guess who won. <laughs> oh, so that's what happened. And uh-huh. the Oda clan won, obviously. And Hideyoshi was fighting uh, on the Oda side. Hopefully, I, wanted, I thought it was clear, but I wanted to point that out. Oh, out. yeah, because the Oda won. And then he was like, you know what? We really got to get a better agent. I mean, he was already on the good side. Was but, he? Yeah, and he was incredibly ambitious. This is something that I really admire about him. He was incredibly ambitious. He was a man seeking adventure. And when said adventure presented an opportunity for him to showcase his skills, you can bet he did just that. Oh, so I said Kobe. Kobe, 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 I'm in, I'm in LeBron doubt. Sorry. I mean, you know, I was going to... Well, I was like, I would have to edit that out because I was like... I'm sitting here and I was like, he's Kobe Dapp. I was like, well, wait a minute. No, that's been Wayne Wade. What I meant was... <laughs> yeah, he, he LeBron out. He LeBron out. He's like, I'm going to go win some championships. I'll be back. See y'all later. Yeah. Exactly. I'm very good at what I do and I need to showcase my talent so that people will remember me and podcast about me when they invent podcasts and everything. And, and another in another 600 years. So exactly. Go. In, and that's kind of what I'm saying is in, in 1566, he led a raid on the Oda enemy occupied Inabayama Castle and was successful in capturing it. Well, so, but was the princess in another castle or? She was definitely in another castle. He oh. got the message and everything. Toad was waiting on him. But he, he didn't get to the top of the flagpole. Well, so he got to the top of the flagpole indeed, but just a couple of important things to mention, you know. Uh, the man was not a general at the time of his raid. And he was still able to get men to follow him. He was just like, come on, guys, I'm sliced. Right. His level of charisma would not go unrewarded. After the successful raid, Nobunaga promoted him to a general. That's pretty, like, was this, wait a minute, so he'd been in some other battles, but right. was like, raised up from peasant to samurai, but just like entry-level samurai. Right. And they were yeah, like, here's your tie, you gotta wear this one. On Fridays, you can wear your casual armor, right. uh, be cool. Yeah. He, and then he did really well at that. And so was we're talking about like one one good battle, several or? good battles, but the one good there was a decisive battle, and that was where he captured. NWI so how many battles? Like I want to get a time period on like how long it took him to go from like showing up and being like uh, I'm a samurai now, shit, to being like hey I'm a general for for Nobunaga. So realistically, it was about yeah, about ten years stretch. All right, um, so so that's good. That's good. That's a, that's a decent, that's respectable. He spent six years. Six years. To gain that point to where he got to, he, he accomplished the battle at Edabayaba Castle. Oh, that's what I'm asking about, because you said he became a general. Yeah, at, about six years in. So but, six years. Yeah, six years. Six years from, like, peasant farmer to, like, uh, master of the house. I mean, well, yes. So the whole, the whole uh, I guess, transition period would have been, would been more like 10 to 12 years. But well, I'm saying after he switched sides, because when he switched sides, he was right. just entry level. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Six from years. entry level to... Top of the food chain, six years. Six years. I've been working seven years in my gym. <laughs> I have not achieved this. I know this feeling. Oh, man. My LinkedIn compared to his LinkedIn. I mean, not, right, yeah, not even close. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. This guy, how did he jump? Mm. I mean, and see, that's the thing. Does he have any recommendations? <laughs> so, <laughs> how many books has he written? Can I start reading those? Replace those with the art of the deal? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, awkward. Um, Hideyoshi's success was continual. He played an important role in several more Nobunaga clan victories, and in 1573, he was promoted to a daimyo over three regions. So that's like that's like a uh, was it a lord, a lord governor kind of yeah, thing? Exactly. Like a right? Is it yeah? He's a military governor. Like when, when we when we were like knock over Japan after the war, we we're like you know, military governor. That's pretty much it. Like, yeah. Oda's rolling through and he's like, hey guys, I had to go take care of some shit, like unifying the whole country. Right. So what I need you to do is keep this part locked down for me until I get back. Exactly. And it needs to be somebody you trust that won't be like, mm, 
where I can just take this piece because he's never really going to get all the pieces. I mean, and you're like, hey, uh, let me hold $20. This is like, here's your 10 back. Wait a minute, where's the other 10? Those are mine. Yeah, he's exactly. like, you want to fight me for it, you can fight me for it. And that happens a lot in these guys that try to unify. Um, it did. I mean, it was a lot of Well, where, like, the, where they would take a piece and they'd leave it in somebody's hands and that person would be like, or I could just have this piece. You're right. Because if I take this piece, then he's only got two others. That's not as powerful. Yeah, let's do that. But also, uh, Nobunaga was not one to fail at this. No. So he was super going to do it. And I think he did one of his smartest choices in this whole unification of Japan thing. You know, minor detail. Uh, was the choices he made in his daimyo to make sure that they were like, oh, we are legit and loyal and all the good stuff that you want. People that you're going to trust parts of a country, region. To, to come back and be like, all right, hand them back over. I'm in control now. Right, and, and then you're right. I think you touched on a good point. You have to be able to have Domino or generals you can trust in that role. And Hideyoshi was definitely, definitely loyal. Oh yeah, Oda Oda ended up with the the their clan ended up with a lot of solid, solid, solid people in that regard. I don't know what skill they had that allowed them to do that, but I felt like. Uh, we will get to the stories like with uh, Hanzo, right? Yeah, Hanzo's amazing. That, that they make some really good choices in who they put their faith and their trust in because it pays off big time. And this is one of those cases, so go ahead. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I mean, and I just want to talk for a second. Man, talk about paid for performance. I mean, if you're getting paid because of the work you're doing, I mean, damn, that's the epitome right there of paid for performance. Yeah, right. Like, you become a governor. <laughs> like, imagine if you could get paid with governorship. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. This guy was amazing, though. Despite not being an opposing figure at birth, don't judge a book by its cover, I guess, right? I'm just saying. By this time in history, uh, Nobunaga had conquered about half of all the provinces of Japan. This created opportunities for our guy Hideyoshi to continue to prove his loyalty and skills to Nobunaga, and you guessed it, he did just that, and was awarded much more than much more land and even a title, or rather a nickname from his lord Nobunaga. He called him Monkey. Because the way he looked, he was bouncing around. This is his not so impressive brain. I I don't know. I mean, maybe it was inside <laughs> between Nobunaga. No, I'm sitting here like it has to be a reference to something else, right? Or maybe it's just a nickname uh, from between them. It's not a title. I mean, <laughs> before the Lord Monkey. It's like, uh, I'll call him Lord Monkey, I guess. Why not? Uh, no. But how many men have you addressed as Lord? Well, none, but that's just because I don't live in the feudal age. Hmm. If I lived in medieval whatever, then I probably would. Probably? I mean, that's kind of how it rolled. Mr. President, you would say Mr. President, wouldn't you? I do. Or... In the, in the right honorable whoever, that's their title, that's what you would say. So if it's like, this is this is Lord Peachtree, I'm saying Lord Peachtree. Lord Peachtree. That's um interesting name there, buddy. I'm just trying there to... There are no peach trees in Texas. Yeah, probably not. There, I mean, there are some. There are. I guess, but there are not <laughs> any in Amarillo that I know of. Oh, my neighbor has one. A peach and an apricot tree. Apricot trees are so I eat them. Just go over there still. Okay, um, so... I, I, well, you look like the cookie monster there for a minute. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out. Oh, I love them, dude. I Peaches right. and apricots, with, when they would come in. Peaches and apricot cream. You know, I'm the leaders, I'm the queen. Is that what you were thinking? No. Oh, okay, good. Back to the business. 1582 is a year that was significantly disappointed. I mean, this is a year that, like, was terrible, I imagine. It was the year that Nobunaga was betrayed by one of his generals and forced to commit civic. Now, Sibaku is. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so glad that we addressed that issue. Now, are you? Are you? No, <laughs> totally, totally mad. Why? Okay, sidebar. This is behind the scenes talk that's making it in the show. So, truth be told, uh, we planned the season out really well, and then I made a mistake, and I accidentally was like, I need to put all these guys in some sort of order. Some sort of timeline, right? So I did. But I used the wrong spreadsheet. I used an old spreadsheet. And I ended up knocking out uh, the choices that Shalom made. Because I made one based off, like, internet research. And not, like, personal research and knowledge. And being like, oh, and this did a really good story about it. Shalom brought that. We put those together. That existed. And then I went back and was like, oh, here's the list because it's long. 
and I put it on top of the other woods. And then we made it. I made a timeline. I was like, this is the timeline. This guy would be at the beginning where he is. Let's flow it. And the big bear in the room, elephant in the room, had always been how to get around Nobunaga's death. Because we couldn't hide it. Right? Well, we couldn't be like, and then the rest of the story happened. No, we're a history show, so we're like, but if we just tell it, will people be invested in, if everyone knows that he dies, are people going to be invested in these stories? So I guess we're fine. <laughs> but, you, but you said the word seppuku, which triggers round two of the Samurai Quiz. Oh, right. Let's go with it. Samurai committed seppuku. Yes. There you go. They did it in, in a couple of different reasons. For one, when they were ordered to Two, to return honor or restore honor to their family. And, you know, the other time would be to avoid capture. Well, or punishment. Or punishment. Because the, yeah, the capture would be the dishonor. Yeah, I, I actually researched this one because I wanted to do a whole show on ritual suicide. And we should. And we will. But uh, go ahead and talk about this. I just wanted to bring that up because that was a big one. The people did not believe that the, the samurai would actually commit these things and uh, how it was done. So do you want me to just stop the time for a second? Do you want me to go back and just move? No, on go do it. Now we'll talk more about this later, kind of as, as you you alluded to earlier, Desmond, about the the uh, end of Nobunaga. Yeah, he's a linchpin in the season, so I think it's smart that we go ahead and get this out of the way right now, and then we'll, when we get to his story, we'll definitely be talking about, about yeah. uh, Sipiku because we we as we have clarified, they did it. We will get into the details of this and. Uh, who has done some of this later on because it's going to happen. Right. Now, it's important to mention, and this is kind of why we mentioned it now, everything that you stated, I echo. But in addition to that, it's important to mention now because instead of becoming a ronin, master of the samurai, Hideyoshi said, fuck that noise. I want revenge that goes after him. See, and that's kind of an unusual uh, way to go, right? Because normally, if you're like uh, up there like he is, you might be on the train to be like, well, probably need to go ahead and take that last train to glory myself. Because mm-hmm. that was kind of considered the honorable thing to do. Like, no one would have been like, what a bitch. They just would have been like, nah, he did it. Right. That was right. His master died. That's what you do. And if you become a Ronin, there's some stigma with that. I mean, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing culturally, I think, during that time right. period to be like, Oh, he's a Ronin. I mean, if you've ever watched movies, they get a different portrayal where uh, their scene was like almost beggars. That's not quite true. No, not no. Um, the main thing is that Ronin without a master don't really have anything because they're not getting paid. Right. And they don't have any real power. But they also don't have anyone to hold them accountable because that's kind of at this time. We talked about Bushido, but this is kind of the time of house rules, clan rules, uh, whenever somebody would have been like, hey. If you're going to work for me, you can't be doing this shit. You won't get punished. If you're a Ronin, you don't have that person above you saying, get in line or else. You're just allowed to do what you do, and your station in life offers you the freedom to do these things. It's not a good option that he's looking at here. No, and and you know what? He went after the defector and killed him within 13 days of Nobunaga's following. I thought that was pretty great. 13 days? Was Was there a significance to that number? Like, I I like to think he told him, he's like, 13 days. Well, because typically, you know, that kind of revenge and whatnot, you don't, you're not able to get that. Oh, right. Yeah, no. This you dude, know? it's not like it's just some guy that was like, jumped out and six Emperor's Tyrannus and ran away. Right. No. Emperor's Tyrannus, always a tyrant. Always a tyrant. Yeah. Six Emperor's All right. That's always a tyrant. Hmm. That's, um, yeah, you're right. They didn't just jump out and do that. No, that's right. John Wilkes Booth move. Hmm. That wouldn't be invented for another, like, 300 years. Right. And, and as you can guess, the succession battle erupted within the older ranks. I mean, since the, the line of succession was a bit shaky at this point. <laughs> yeah. Time, it, gets, you know, uh, it gets a little convoluted. We'll, we'll talk but, about it. But just to kind of give you an overview, since Nobunaga and his oldest son were forced to commit Sipku, like we talked about earlier, the line, uh, the line was open to challenge. Hideyoshi supported the young grandson of Nobunaga, his name was Hidenobu, instead of the oldest remaining son. This led to unrest and eventually even battles between the top older generals. I think it's a very funny parallel because this sort of thing happens in medieval Europe as well, right? Where the line of succession isn't always clear. Mm -hmm. And you have this real feeling of like, 
well, where do women fall? Japan doesn't have that as much. Uh, but also, so you've got an older nephew or, or an older son, but you have obviously the heir apparent, and then their child. So it should fall to him, which means if he's gone, then it would fall to his. Right. And so they're like, but I'm the second son, and you can give a baby or a 10-year-old or a 19-year-old. And I, here I am, a grown-ass man, right. having served in these battles, having proven myself, and you about to come over here and invent boss baby 600 years too early. Can't be doing that. Right. Yeah, and, and that's and it's something that you've got to think about at the time, too. And this is another thing, like, during the whole my, my research and whatnot, that I was always confused about as a kid, but never really took the time to drill down and understand it. These these guys had multiple wives, or they had mistresses and whatnot. Yeah, I'm not really clear. I'm not really clear on that. So that's how that's how that's how you end up with multiple kids. Who you know, one kid is is with your legitimate wife, but you've got a kid over here with. uh, Yeah, and everyone knows it, and you give them their name. I I I know Japan's really weird. It's not like Europe where you got a million pastors that just can't inherit. In Japan, it's like very much like that's my kid. Right. It's like, but it's not my real kid. People get very confused on that too. And it is confusing. Especially when there's other times when uh, the whole Japanese dissension thing needs to be an episode. I'm sorry, I'm going to sidetrack it or not. Because no, there's, no. inst- there's instances, even with shoguns and emperors, where somebody in the line goes to be a monk because they're like, well, my brother became leader and not me. Guess I'm going to fuck off to the mouth. I mean, this is your only option. Well, I mean, because if not, he's going to think I'm going to challenge him, right? So I'm just going to go be a Zen monk or a Shinto monk. I'm going to go be a rice farmer, I'm going to give up everything, and do south so that I don't get murdered because people are like you building an army. You can't be any kind of general or nothing because you're obviously the, the challenger. You know what I mean? If anyone's going to rally to you, you're like, look, my brother's done bad. He's a shitty person. Follow me. I'll get the throne. We'll all be rich. It's like, hmm, that's a good deal because you can actually do that. You don't have to overthrow the entire thing. You just got to kill him. I like that move. It's clean. People take you up on it. So a lot of them juice out like that. It's just weird. The succession thing boggles my mind because sometimes they come out of it. Like there's people that go to be hermits and then dude's been a hermit for 20 years and they're like, you have to come back and leave the country. He's like, damn it. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Are we really debating between boggles my mind as a person and I'm sure listeners have the same question. Where do you fall on this? This is a personal aspect thing. Okay. So the country, this happens, right? And you got an option between a grown man, but he's been a hermit for 20 years. Or a small child who's inheriting simply because he is the son of the old ruler. As opposed to the brother of the old ruler who was forced to, you know, give up all his royal vestments and such. So that he could go be a hermit or a priest or something and not be, you know, a challenge or a threat. Yeah, and so you're asking me, would my side? Where would you? Who would you want to rule you? Not who would you fight for anymore? I guess who would you fight? For? But if they were like somebody was like, "This is our new leader," you're like, "I'm down with that." Or if they're like, mm, "It's a child who's going to have regents who used to all work for the old king, and we consider the old king is base level, not good, not bad. Like things will be status quo, but the kid's going to have to grow up. He's going to have to be tight his time, or bring in." Old hermit that's been gone for 20 years doesn't really follow it because he doesn't want to be a threat. Doesn't even keep newspapers around because he's like, nah. Mm-hmm. But he was raised up until the age of like 20, 25 to be the ruler. So he's already got the knowledge, but he's out of touch. Um, give it to the kid. And, give it to the kid. And here's why. I'm going to give it to the kid, but note that there are going to be trusted advisors around to mm-hmm. advise the kid. That would be your argument when you get into political arguments back in the day? Yeah. All right. He's got viceroy, goddammit. All right, we're here to defend him. We're here to we're here to guide him. That's and that's exactly my answer. What did they say? Well, you know, again, this led to unrest. But in in fifteen eighty five, our guy Hideyoshi was able to place Hidenobu as the daimyo of the old clan. So, but this was not without this was not without any cost. The heated battles between two of the former friends of the older clan of the older clan, Tokugawa Ieyasu and Katsue. Katsuye Shibata, his nickname was the Devil Shibata. I love, I love. That. So wait a minute, where did where did our man? He just flex nuts on him, or what happened? Yeah, so basically, there was a lot of there was battles about it over it. All right, right. No, I know there were battles over it. But I'm saying, how did he manage to become supreme? Well, he, he asserted his authority with his, his army. 
you know, that's kind of what happened. And so Katsuya Ishibata and Tokugawa Ieyasu um, decided, okay, fine. He'll, he'll end up okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, Tokugawa Ieyasu ends up fine. <laughs> so... In 1584, the heated battles between Tokugawa and Toyotomi ended due largely to Tokugawa's loss of three of his top generals. He was ready for peace and offered it to Hideyoshi. So that's what they, they settled up. They and just, just to be clear, when I said there was a spoiler alert, I want Shalom to say this piece because let me, let me, he, he got a peace offering from the dude that would literally become the unifier of Japan and establish the Tokugawa Fucking choking it. Yeah. And rain in the Edo period. He's like, well, I guess I'm in charge now. But, like, this dude beat him into submission. First. Right. Like, before that all happened, he's like, now you know how to teach you a lesson. <laughs> right. Like, you can be, I'm going to have no interest in being no ruler. But I ain't got no interest in being no bitch neither. So, come here. And let's get this over. With. Right. And I mean, you're right. It was a little bit of, you know. No, that's literally why. I mean, that, nah, this part of the story, I know that's literally what happens. It's like, imagine you're this man right now. At this point, you have chosen to put Oda, their clan, on the throne, right? Mm-hmm. So to speak. And you're Ned Stark and shit out of this, pretty much. Yeah. And you're like, all right, guys. Here's the deal. We won this battle together. You're raising this little eight-year-old. I don't know how old you when you're raising this kid's hand, right? You're the general who's led him through all these battles. Right? You're like, you're the winner. He gets his prize. And you look at all the other dudes you beat, grown men, they're like, but I wanted it. And he's like, he gets it. Give it to him. <laughs> and then you just like fade to black. Like, you just want to walk away. You're like, I'm done. And they're like, but you could have had all the power. He's like, I'll be the king in the north. Right. He just walks off. Oh, anyway, go ahead. I'm just saying, imagine if you have that much power. Like, you're sitting there. And you, you like if you sit in that throne, right? If you turn around and raise your banner, yeah, no one is gonna say shit. These well, men aren't following that kid. Now, I mean, some of them might be the Oda are, yeah. but you control the armies that are putting them in in charge. And the, like you're talking about Tokugawa here, they're afraid of you, and they ain't afraid of them, right? So if you go, look, we we can have peace. Crush Oda. It's it's game on. It's over. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Even, it's just like, all right, split that kid's way. wig, and yeah. then you're like, I'm the king now. And, and I mean, that's that's important to realize, but, you know, Hideyoshi's goal was pretty much the unification of Japan. So you know, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he won the country and was like, that's what I want. Yeah. I have my prize. And, and in 1583... Just give me the prize. Sorry. <laughs> it's from the Highlander soundtrack. Yeah. The best movie of all time. We'll get into my love of Highlander one day. I, mean, I feel like we have one point. Well, we have. I'm sure the, the listeners know, but I'm just saying. We can do it again. Give me the prizes. So, in 1583, Hideyoshi's goal again was to unify Japan, um, just like his lord before him. The epitome of loyalty and duty to the cause, I think, is what. Oh, definitely. Him. Like I, that's my, that's what I was drawing out when my long ass tangent was the kid. <laughs> the, the kid, like this guy, could have simply just been like, "Now I'm the." Right. And and here's the next piece of that. The Emperor offered him the position oh, yeah. of Tai Shogun, which is Barbarian Civilian Commander in Chief. You know, when we say Shogun, Shogun is a, a short version. version. Right. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he was offered the throne. He yeah. very simply could have just been like I'll I'm the champ. Right. I'm the best there's ever been. Ain't nobody like me. Because even 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 with people you know what, people will talk about Nobunaga. And here's the thing with Nobunaga. He had the vision, yep. he had the drive and he had the determination. Agree, but you know that Jordan without Pippin argument mm. getting real, real. This this is way beyond that. This, this is like that's literally I call him the kingmaker because I'm like this dude is one of I'd say three or four that I put up there. I'm like this is the Ned Stark to this dude's Jeff, uh, Robert Baratheon, right? Like he he definitely was like yeah we gonna win. And even after even after he's like he's dead, he's like we still won. You're right. I mean, that's like you think Jordan being sick going up and winning. Imagine if Pippin had come off the bench and put up Jordan numbers. Like that's what just happened. They were like, "Oh, this dead. It's over." He's like, "Oh, y'all don't know this. Oh, let me show you. Got this." But instead of taking the title Shogun, he takes the title uh, Kampaku, which means monkey mast. Uh, close. It means regent. 
No, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying no. That, but that's what that's what they ended up with. That's why I knew it was going to have to happen. Like that's the only way you put a small, like an untrained person, unproven person on the throne is to have somebody. So him as regent, I think, is what sells the unification. Also, you talked about the emperor. I think we need to sidebar for a second to discuss the role of the emperor in Japan at this time period. Because right. people are going to be like, well, wait a minute, the Shogun's not badass because Emperor can give him these titles? Like, you know, Shaq said, I'm not rich. The man that writes my checks is rich. Right? Yeah. So, I'm not powerful. The dude that gives me my title is powerful. Need to mm. state that the Emperor in Japan at this particular point, before, that holds mostly true. Yeah. I would say mostly, like 60%. Mm. Uh... I'm guessing at that. Now, you might be better at this part than I am, but... So, the emperor isn't deposed. No. But there's a reason it's called the Edo period, or Edo period, either way. The emperor is not in, no. in, in Edo. <laughs> no, no. And the emperor, well, here's the thing. The emperor is not... At this point in time, I think it's the Ashikaga... Uh, yes, it is. The Ashikaga shogunate was in place and has been deposed. But the emperor... I can't remember what emperor it was, but the emperor... That was in place. The emperor itself himself is a figurehead at this point. Right. He's yeah. kind of like the British monarchy is now. They got some power mm-hmm. and people like him and stuff, and they'll, they'll fight for him if they have to. Like, someone attacked the queen, yeah, people will be up in arms. Right. But if Parliament declares war, everyone gets their ass on a boat and goes to war, right? True. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're talking about here. Like, the emperor dies because someone kills him. That person's definitely dead. Sure. But the shogun decides somebody's going to war. Everyone gets their ass on the boat. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, the emperor still has power, but at this point in time, the emperor, again, is just, you're right, like we're stating, is a figurehead. Uh, he's a ceremonial. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, he has to ask, invite the prime minister, like, you know, Britain. Yeah, doesn't he, have a lot of power. To, yeah, he, you know, invite them to form a coalition or whatever they do right. over there. And the, the shogun at this point in time is, the shogun is like having a police force. Oh, yeah, military, the, military. the Shogun controls the military, and when you said police force and everything, people have to understand, police departments, there's a show we're going to do on this one point. Uh, we planned it for last season. Police departments are kind of a newish mm-hmm. invention. Before then, you have, like, watchmen and things like this. But it's really up to people to police their own. Yeah. And this is actually Samurai and the Domino system and the Shogunate are actually one of the first, where it's a more of a national police force. Because when you're not at war, these guys still are getting paid, right? They are. So they're still going to be fucking working because no one gets a free lunch. That's true. So what do they do? They're walking around. This is why when you hear they can do whatever to the peasants. It's not just because of their class and title. Like, oh, I'm a samurai. You're a peasant? I can just watch me cut off your arm. It's more to do with the fact that part of their job, again, we don't see this in films because... They're always there battles, you know, samurai in battle, full armor. No, no, no. They're they're going through. They, they these guys aren't just tactician masters. The generals are. They're sitting plotting and figuring out how to move on. But the day to day samurai, like those low level, entry level, casual Friday samurai we're talking about, uh, they're also masters of crop rotation and things like that because they're responsible for making sure that a certain farm or a certain yield worked the way it was supposed to, and keeping the peace and the law. Like there might be four or five that were a town or a city's police force. And that's what they did. They would train other men in the art of combat so that these guys could go out and protect the city or stop bandits or whatever it is. They were day-to-day kind of police force. Uh, uh, They they had day-to-day jobs is what I'm trying to say. They had function outside of just these battles. It wasn't like, well, we go to battles and then I don't have to do do anything for the next six years because we in war. No. No, you were definitely going and learning like, the finer points of rice rotation and like irrigation and these sort of things. Cause that's what you're expected to do as a noble. You're expected to know how to make shit run right. As a samurai, you're also expected to be a really good warrior. So can we pause here for a minute and discuss yeah. how intelligent Hideyoshi was? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, uh, I think we have to. Yeah. Because so for one thing in, in general that I wanted to talk about is the reason he didn't accept the Shogun title is because he knew that, Many people of high and low birth would question the legitimacy of the action because it it wasn't the normal practice and it wasn't exactly legal. Um, but hey, I, the emperor can do whatever the hell he wants, right? Well, that and I mean, so could he or she. I mean, that's going to be the real yeah. The real point of it is this: it was. I think he embodies some of those principles, uh, all of the principles, the tenets 
But Bushido will talk about it. I agree. So I think it's a good follow episode for that. Because here's the thing. He was loyal. Incredibly. He was righteous. He believed in his cause. He did it. He did everything. But the thing is this. If he had taken it, who would have stopped? True. The emperor offered it to him. Right? His biggest foes had already, he'd already beat them to peace. And they weren't going to, I mean, no one's raising the army. It's not like, well, wait a minute. He's Shogun. Iyasu knew that that was the outcome. Like, that's what they were fighting for. Was he knew that that was what the whole war was over at that point. Was he knew that if they lost, there was a possibility this guy could get up and be like, I'm shook. Yeah, he could have. Well, and so here's the thing. The way it kind of worked is, and we touched on this kind of the parallel between this and like the British monarchy of the line of succession. The British line of succession is, I mean, it's built out pretty far. Oh, yeah. No, no, now it is. I mean, but it took a long time to get there. It it did. But now you, you've got the kind of a similar situation here where there, is a cl- there isn't a class system, but there is a class system at this point in time. And even though the emperor didn't have much power other than just being maybe a, maybe a, a figurative position, he, the emperor was also not really lucrative, like monetarily. Um, they didn't have a lot of money coming in, and they were spending more money in the, in the uh, imperial Right, no, no, yeah. Trying to keep everyone together. So, you know, there's that, but then the fact the fact of the matter is the people may not have accepted Hideyoshi as with the title Shogun. He could have pushed it. He could have been like, who's going to test me now, right? Who's going to check me on this? And it could have been nobody would have. But instead of going through that infighting and then ultimately embarrassing his dream. Himself, well, I mean, but yeah. no, but breaking the unification is what it would have really done. done. I feel like my personal opinion is he knew that he could take it. Right. But he knew that the unification might not be complete if he did. Exactly. And so he said, you know what? I want this than that. A unified Japan is more important than me being topped out. Besides, I'm still no, no. <laughs> I'm still the I'm still the baddest man on the block. Right. Like, I ain't got, even if I ain't got the biggest house, I ain't have the second biggest house and still be the baddest man on the block. I'm fine. Exactly. And you know what? And one thing I mentioned was that how how you know the imp- the emperor was kind of basically running low on funds. One thing that Hideyoshi did was gave monetary gifts to the to the emperor. And oh yeah, also rebuilt the imperial power. Because he, I was just saying, he not only again you think emperor like in England, like they're very rich, they, they own a lot of land and stuff, and it was uh, Japan a little bit different here mm-hmm. uh, because they have systems of, of course, taxation and such, but not exactly to the emperor. The emperor kind of has to come get his. Yeah. And the emperor also doesn't have, like, a real army. Mm-hmm. He has an imperial army, but he doesn't have an army. Right. Uh, so he can't really come get it. I mean, yeah. If somebody like Tokugawa or Oda clan decides, you know what? No. There's a good chance you're just not paying tax. You weren't giving up any of your harvest. You weren't giving up anything. Plus, like you said, they're pretty much ceremonial, so they were on an allowance system. Right. And this dude's like, you know what? Emperor is a really cool position. If nothing else, people like him because yeah. he doesn't actually make decisions. It's easy to like him. He's the embodiment of Japan, right? So people like him. Cool. We unify. We get more people to like him than we get him to like us. That's yeah. it. Then people like us by you know transitive properties here. You're right. And so that's what I think that was the smart thinking. Also, the man was incredibly wealthy because I don't know if you know this, he had all of Japan. Yeah, you know, at this point in time, he had about uh, nine. Nine. He had about. Uh, a little over half of the provinces of Japan. Well, I, 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 when I'm saying he had, when you break it down by size mm-hmm. and then war, I got ability. Was it capacity for war? What do you call it? Capacity for war. Uh, their, their, their actual available manpower and their production rates. He had a very large, more than half the country because the rest of it's kind of like. Fuck, we got to get up there. We got to climb some sure. mountains and get some boats and shit. It wasn't like, oh no, he had the part where the people were, and well, not all the people, obviously, but the part where the people were, the money was, yeah. and he was coming steadily down. Like, hold up, I'm gonna be there in a minute. We're already planning, we're already invading the other parts and working deals. So it wasn't when I say he had it when he when the shogunate changed when Tokugawa's area and the Oda area they come together. Japan is unified, I'm going to call it. But, I mean, not 100%, but it, the, I would say uh, Manifest Destiny of Japan has is, is, is gone. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I don't see how that train would have stopped, is what I mean. And researching this season, mm-hmm. 
I don't, I'm even like, even if the war had broken out and gone differently, as we'll find out, Oda doesn't control it. God controls it. I think either way, that you couldn't stop that train. I get you. Well, in 1950, or excuse me, in 1590, Hideyoshi set out to finish his unification campaign. He went after Hojo Ujimasa, uh, who was in Edo, you know, present day Tokyo, with over, and he went after him with over 200,000 men. <laughs> and needless to say, that was the end of Hojo. Yeah, so see, this is exactly what I'm saying, right? This is what, this is what brings out the Edo Edo period, right? Mm-hmm. This is when they're like, you know what, this is a really nice place. I'll take it. But when I say the train was unstoppable, because he literally rolled up on you with 200,000 men and was like, so this is my map. And you're like, oh, cool deal. (laughs) And just walk out the side door. You're like, I got you, I got you. Well, he tried to end it civilly, but. No, I know. But but that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's so much power. I think about this. If you have half, how is the other half divided? Military capability, it is not half versus half. It's not close to half versus half. It's half versus 10%, 5%, 20%. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's a train at this point. Yeah. Like, whoever's at the in the head of that, I don't think even if you guys go, guys, we're not going to invade it. The army would have overturned you and been like, we're going. Oh, yeah. The lords would have been like, no, no, no. We are going. Yeah. Even the emperor's like, I like this unification idea. Let's go ahead and do this. this. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the point. It took him about six months to, uh, to conquer the Hojo clan. That's what, that's what I'm saying. The Howard Johnsons fell so fast. If there was nothing, there was yeah. nothing to stop him. Six months, Shalom, to take over. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think this was the Pacific Fleet took over six yeah. months to get over. Right. This dude rolled him. Yeah, he, he was serious. But um, being able to focus on preventing any, you know, after this unification of Japan piece happens, but being able to focus on preventing any additional rebellions, he made a law in 1588 decreeing that only samurai could wear could own weapons. Now, the decree was the first time we see him take place or place into law any edict that would limit his rise to power. So, what I mean by that is he rose to power because of the breaks in the system. This is where he started to say no. It's a strategic move. You know, the the Hiko, Hiki monks, warrior monks, could no longer have any means to rebel because they couldn't own weapons. Right. Um, you know, he, he just couldn't own weapons, which also meant that the peasants couldn't rebel either. Neither could anybody else in the lower class. Now, he was not just the type to issue a law; he would also enforce it, enforce it, which led to the Great Sword Hunt. Right, and this is that's what I'm talking. I just want to point out that's what I'm talking about. Right, the samurai have jobs. Yeah, this is their job. They're like, "Shogun, gonna say we gotta do this shit. Let's go do this shit." So they're military police. They're going to go door to door. So talk about the Great Sword Hunt here a little bit. Tell them what happened. Yeah, so in the Great Sword Hunt, I mean, let's you know, keep it short. Yeah, no, no, just, just tell them what happened because I think it's important that people know. Yeah, so what happened is that, you know, Hideyoshi sent his men out to go go and round up all throughout the country, round up all the weapons, confiscate weapons is what they were doing. Oh, yeah, you know how they always say the government comes for our guns? Yeah. Well, well the government did. came for the swords. Yeah, yeah they did. And a few years later, he issued a decree making it illegal to hire Ronin. Yeah. I mean... Oh, yeah. He was definitely, like, all about the, the you know, Machiavellian style of, like, once you get power... I'm going to eliminate the way you can get, you get power. Yeah. Exactly. You, I, the first thing you do after you climb up the ladder, pull, people, the, pull the ladder up. Yeah, exactly. And he took things even even further and outlawed moving, the moving of classes. If you were born a farmer, you stayed a farmer. You're born a samurai, you stay the samurai. You're born a merchant, you're staying. I, I, you know what I love about that? What's that? The best justification is you don't want someone like me coming. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You see me here. You see what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I was? A dirt farmer. Right. Come on, guys. Yeah. We can't have this shit happen again. Right. Now, the interesting thing here that I noticed next was that his ambition led him to Korea. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Korean expedition. Yeah, that was a terrible idea. But uh, he, it is. His goal was to conquer China. And so he sent some emissaries and some letters, rather, over to uh, Korea, asking the Korean king for a safe passage through his lands, and told him he wanted to attack China. Uh, his letters went unanswered. And, Which was a big no-no. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Hideyoshi turned his attention to him and attacked Seoul, which was the capital of Korea at the time. I know, I'm, I'm just laughing because he's like, he look at it and see message sent. It's like message read. He's like, well, 
And um, what happens? What happens? What happens? No, what happens when 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 the Japanese find their way to the Korean Peninsula? So the first time in uh, the first time they drove they drove them back and attacked and captured the uh, the capital of Seoul. Oh yeah, captured or captured it. captured the capital city Seoul. Uh, but in 1597, this was the second attack. China and Korea were both better prepared and able to deliver a crushing defeat to our man Hideyoshi using the strong Korean Navy. The next thing I want to point out is kind of just transitioning. So this is happening towards the end of Hideyoshi's life. Uh, there are some other things involved in the middle of this, but ultimately this is where we're at. In September 18th, or rather on September 18th, 1598, Hideyoshi died. And on his deathbed, he asked his loyal, a loyal set of retainers, known as the Council of Five Elders, to withdraw Japanese soldiers from the Korean soil and to protect his son, Hideyori, who was five at the time, until he was of the age of age to rule. I just like the fact that he was like, y'all need to get out of Korea without yeah. me, that army king making. <laughs> it's like, I mean, but that's really the truth, because, I, I mean, the man is a tactical genius, one. But he's one of those guys that's a genius because he literally started out on foot, like, here's a sword, and running away from home, Mulan style. Yeah. And then just being like, Turns out, you remember what I said at the beginning, you go find out if you're really good or really bad at stabbing guys really quick. Turns out he, really good. He's like, I am the best. <laughs> Dude, I fucking rock at this. Like, you won't right. believe it. Yeah. But not only, hey, watch this. Stab those guys, and then you stab these guys. Come around here and stab them. We won. I'm good at telling other people to stab people. I mean, you're right. And eventually, it's like, this kid's going places. And he did. He went to the top. He did. He did go to the, the top. top. He went, he said, I'm going to get up there and go all the way up. And that's exactly what he did. You know, the, um, the interesting thing is the five, the five elders, you know, the council of the five elders, they, another one of the things that he or she said, and he was quoted saying this, don't let any of my people die or die in, or turn to spirits in a foreign land. That's how he said it. Don't let any of my people turn to spirits in a foreign land. So he was saying withdraw our Japanese presence from Korea and make sure we come home safely. And I mean, look, that's what he did. You know, that's what he requested. It's just interesting that, you know, he, he asked for that. I mean, it did. Uh, well, you know what it makes me think of? What's that? Because I'm a nerd. Ghost Park from Lord of the Rings. Right? Yeah. Like, it, I'm just saying, if I saw a ghost army ride up, he deals, you better be the leader. <laughs> like, I'm like, no shit. oh, we're, this is Ghost Park? Yeah, we go. <laughs> Ghost Warriors on deck. So <laughs> the Orakai will not stand. All right. So we're we'll some fast facts on this one. Uh, we already talked about how Hideyoshi's father served Nobu- the Nobunaga clan, the Oda Nobunaga clan, um, prior to Hideyoshi doing it. Mm. On February fifth, fifteen ninety seven, Hideyoshi Toyotomi had twenty six Christians killed as an example. To Japanese who wanted to convert to Christianity, so he wanted Christianity out of out of place. He wanted God. Well, uh, and to be clear, I'm not trying to take sides in okay. historical debate about religion because that would just be messed up because I'm not there. But I do want to add context because that's what I'm trying to do this season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to remember that Christian expansion at this time is very much um, the New World. Let's go ahead and. You know, wipe out native populations and slavery, and everyone better be Christian. And if they could have done the same thing to Japan, the Portuguese and the Spanish and the Dutch and the English would have happily rode roughshod with guns and cannons, as we will see that they do later after they've become civil. After they become civil, after a civil war, after <laughs> after they become civil, uh, they, they, then then Japan gets to interact with them. It's a little fucked up, but. Uh, it's not so much just Christianity, it's what Christianity represents. It's not like they thought, oh, if you're Christian, you need to die. Like right. the Romans, it's more like, these Christians keep coming here and keep trying to tell us how to do shit, take over shit. And you know what? They're trying to get our people to believe in them. And when they believe in them, that means the emperor isn't the emperor because he's not a deity anymore, right. which takes away from our power. Plus, then you start going, well, these are my people. I chose to be with them. I was born Japanese. I'm choosing to be Christian. I agree with these guys. We should let them in and let them have shit. It's like, that's no. a big threat. Right. So let me let me just 
nip that shit in the bud. Right. And that's that's what's going on. It's not so much, I mean, it is partly a religious debate, no doubt. But there's a lot of social, economic, politics tied up into this. I agree. Um, the Council of the Five Elders, known as the Five Tyro, was na- was formed in 1595 by Hideyoshi to rule Japan in place of his son until such time when he was of age. Uh, Hideyoshi chose five most power- his most powerful jo- uh, daimyos. Hideyoshi chose five of his most powerful daimyos: Ukita, Hidei, Toshie Maeda, Uesugi, Kagekatsu, and Moritelimuto. And then also, the more famous, the probably most famous of the entire group, was Ieyasu Tokugawa. Nah, I never heard of <laughs> Hideyoshi's last name was Hashiba, until he was given the name Toyotomi formerly by the Emperor. And those are my fast facts. Do you have any other, other samurai myths that you want to Oh, ask? for this episode? Yeah. Man. You know what? I kind of want to save some of these. Okay. For other ones. But, but I, 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 can, I can give you one more. Yeah, go we one have more. one more question. Uh, the samurai armor is all wood. That's untrue. Yeah, it's credibly untrue. untrue. But I saw someone that samurai wooden armor was a big question. Hmm. That they had, that it was completely 100% like wooden armor. Uh, I guess people aren't aware that cotton exists, nor lacquer, nor leather. Boiled leather. Uh, boiled leather. Take a moment here for myself. Go ahead. Boiled leather actually plays a big part in uh, the Japanese war history. Not so much because they adopt it, because they get it. They do have it. But the fact that the katana uh, and arrows and everything kind of evolved in Japan with the Mongols trying to invade, right? You know, when the storm came, Kamikaze comes, wipes out the invading fleet when they try to invade Japan. Uh, one of the hardest problems they had was the Tai Chi, which is a sort of time that they had before the katana. Had a real tough time penetrating that boiled leather armor that the Mongols used. So, there you go. And it facilitated the change to the now infamous, or famous, I guess on how you view it, Katana, was the use of boiled armor by their enemies. Well, it was coming after you by the infamous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it's also famous, because, you know, so I don't know how it rolls. It's like Al Capone. He's the most famous, infamous gangster you know. I feel like he's the most infamous gangster covers at all. Yeah, but he's also famous. For good reasons, like, Shows and stuff he's produced. So I don't know. That's true. No, I'm just saying. So depending on how you view it, but that's what. Um, what would you say about it? Uh, you know more about the armor. Uh, now some of it is wood. Is some of it is lacquered, yeah. uh, hardwood. I mean, yeah, and, and wood is a good source of. I mean, I guess it's plentiful. Yeah, it's, you, it's something you can get from anywhere. And Chinese used a, a layered cotton armor, which mm-hmm. would stop stuff, which is actually super effective. Or paper armor, uh, both, which you, you just like rice paper over a billion times and then you poke holes and attach it together in scale plating and yeah. you, you get armor cheap bulky armor cotton will do the same thing with cotton fiber stack and layer and uh, so samurai armor we're going to do a whole episode on it but since we're asking the question here that it's not all wood what are some of the fundamental components I don't know being pieces like so what would be involved in there obviously there's some metal yeah there's definitely some metal um, they, but the interesting thing is that there's not chain mail. No, 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 no. So the base layer is like a base layer, base right? Layer, right. And so the, the thing is, you usually wear hakama and kimono underneath and then put your armor on top. Right, which for people that don't know, these are just like silk and cotton wool mm-hmm. uh, undervestments that you would wear. They were there to make it more comfortable for you so the armor's not on you. They also work as a breathable layer between right. you and the armor. Because the armor actually is pretty functional in the sense that uh, I think it's pretty advanced that it has breathing. Uh, I don't know if that was built in or not uh, on purpose. I mean, it is obviously built, but I mean, if it was intentional because the layering and the way that the scallops work and stuff, there's a lot of room actually for airflow and movement because movement was a big part of their style. Uh, It's in there. And would you consider it lightweight? Because I think people always have this view that all armor is really heavy. And I think people forget that armor is always a trade-off between protection and movement. Yeah, and you're right. And I would say that this armor was lighter. Yeah, because um, European armor is actually... I mean, the, the whole goal on European armor is always to make it lighter and more functional, more flexible. Mm-hmm. So the, your range of movement not being limited is a sign of good armor. Right. And that being thinner and lighter is a sign of good, good armor. armor. 
as opposed to it. And you get things like rolled edges, right? When people learn that they can roll the edge of a metal, like on shields, roll the edge of a metal, reinforce that even, it crimp it, it keeps it from losing a warble in shape and it can take a stronger blow. Right. Same thing comes along with armor in Europe. I don't know about in Japan. In Japan it's the same. But I think that yeah, we, we have a show covering armor. And we we, we and do, but the base... So we'll go in detail. But, but yeah, the, the base layers... Yeah. Uh, the basics are the base layer, mm-hmm. which would be a very comfortable, lightweight, like, silken right. type of deal or what? And then, like, cotton over a little cotton bit of padding cotton, to yeah. absorb, I assume, yeah. some of the impact. Because, like, bulletproof vests, not all just hard. you got a cushioning layer. I mean, that's exactly right. And then the outside layer, the actual armor that is on the outside that people see... Would be the final layer, or is there another layer in between? No, the one they see is the final layer. Okay, and well, I know, but I'm saying so you have your come on, right? And then you have uh, typically the your armor going off, okay? Yeah. And what would that what's that armor made out of? It's uh, not wood, no, it's not wood, it's, it's leather, it's leather mm-hmm. and, wood and wood and metal and, 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 and yeah. cotton and everything else. Because right. I mean, when you get into what pe- different pieces are made out of, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Because of like places where you're less likely to take a blow, you of course have less padding. Well, that and you that that can be wood or that can be leather. Uh, if you, something like your head area, uh, you you go ahead and spring for a little bit of metal. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you? Exactly. But you also put the leather where it's going to make the most sense, and the wood where it makes sense. I mean, these are guys that have this down to a very fine art. So, but the idea that all samurai armor is wooden. And just a very well lacquered is not correct. Not correct. I'm, 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 you know what? I would be interested to find out. Maybe you know. Are there examples, even one case of a complete wooden armor? Um, not that I'm aware of, but I'm sure there are. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if you could find a complete suit of wooden armor. Uh, I don't know. I imagine it would be much heavier. Um, yeah. And I don't know how effective it would actually be because. While wood is very strong, it's also sort of brittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, lacquering helps. I mean, you get the whole thing. We'll talk about it later. But the answer is no. Not all samurai water. Wa- water? All armor. samurai warrior's armor was wooden. Anything else you want to add? Uh, nothing else that I have. I think we can kind of say some more questions thinking about them. I want to say thanks and a shout out to Ray Walton Jr. As always. Indeed. Ray is one of the people that makes the show possible by contributing on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash nothistorians and check us out there. Uh, you have a monthly gift. You get something back in surprise. We have a contest. We let you in the inside. You know when things are happening before the rest of the world. If you don't want to sign up to give monthly and you want to just support the show one, two, three times a lady, then you can hop on to Public. And searches there. We have multiple shirt designs you can buy. They're always going on different sales. And uh, some of that money goes back to us. It helps support the show. It helps support our research, our equipment, hosting, all those kind of fees. And uh, as it stands right now, there are hours upon hours, more than a full day's worth of listening of the show that you can get. So uh, if you think about it like that, buying one shirt, you're paying less than a dollar an hour to hear us talk. Which, if you ask us, is a bargain. I mean, I think so. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, if you can't do any of those things, then at least please rate, share, subscribe. And continue to listen. And listen. All right, this has been another iteration of the Not Historians. And we are out. Bye.